Hello everyone, welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudharman. Happy New Year. It's the first Ultras podcast of 2020. I'm going to apologize in advance because um, the flat above me is drilling. So um, my apologies if you do pick up any drilling sounds. Uh, and Happy New Year and welcome to my two co-podcasters, Darren Burns and Toby Doman. Happy New Year and welcome to both of you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Nice to see you all. Um, what was it? We spoke about 10 days ago. A lot's happened since then, but Happy New Year. There's been a lot going on in the cricketing world. Darren, why are you showing me your finger? What's what's going on? Well, I just wanted to, to say that, you know, I haven't played cricket in 27 months and I actually played on the weekend and I had an, an extensive net session and I ripped the first ball in and I bowled the guy first ball the opener of our team. But look at my fingers from the seam. I ripped the shit out of my fingers bowling for an hour and a half in the nets. And then I had a bit of a bat as well. Was you, were you trying uh, trying your carom ball? Was this the... Oh, my carom ball. Yeah, it was, it was the first up. He wasn't expecting the carom ball, I can tell you that. So you bowled this poor bloke first ball? Yeah, first ball. Wow. No, first ball after I bowl, haven't bowled for 27 months. Straight through the gate. Like you'd never been away. He was actually a pretty good bat too. Did you tell him that you haven't actually bowled a ball in anger for 27 months? That's right. <laughs> he said that. He said that's a pretty good ball for your first ball. So you just played in the nets? You didn't play a match? No, so we couldn't. We can't at the moment Singapore yet. Still any nets. Um, maximum of six players in a net. So yeah, we're, hopefully we can get back to some cricket at some stage. So you were just going in the full-on net, short-pitched bowling in the net. Yeah, I, I actually got a few bit of chin music from some of the guys in the team. One of them like... I, I, I patted her off my face um, with my gloves and he was being quite sharp after you haven't faced the ball for like a couple of years. And as you approach your late 40s, some guy running in, bowling at your head is um, good fun. Mm. Dude, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad to hear you got you got to play. You must have really enjoyed it after such a long time. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, hopefully we will be back on the field soon. We can only hope. Yes, indeed. Bubble fatigue, not quite as bad um, as we're seeing with the uh, with the international cricketers, and we will talk about that, I'm sure. Uh, but let's move to Australia first, where a very interesting test series is taking shape with the Sydney test match about to start in two days' time at the SCG. There's a lot to talk about here. Let's start with the Australian perspective, I think. Um after kind of being getting getting the worst of the exchanges in the first two days of the first test in Adelaide, Darren, everything changed on the third morning when India were bowled out for their lowest ever test score, 36 all out. I don't know, it looked like the batsmen were hypnotised. How did it play out from an Australian perspective, given everything that had already happened in that match? Well, I think if you step back a little bit and look at the series to date, I mean, what's been really surprising, and I, I guess you've got to agree with it, is that India have really dominated Australia in these two matches. That morning of the third day, where they were bowled out for 36, it was totally against the run of play. It was one of those sort of dreamy, I watched every ball, and it was like nothing India could do could get away from it. Every edge clipped the bat, every cat catch went to hand. It just was one of those things where it happens every now and again in cricket where you're just almost in a, in a kind of a warp and no matter what you do as a batsman, you're going to get out. And it was just one of those periods of, of play. Um, and I think what's incredible about it is, it, it is, you know, people writing off India. You talked about having an emergency podcast after the 36. Yeah. What are we going to do? Crisis. For the MCG. It was a crisis. And they bounce, they bounce back the next week and totally dominate 
Australia at the MCG and they didn't dominate a little bit. They were in control of the whole game from woe to go. So it, it, it's really surprising, you know, this sort of aberration, this sort of hour or two that happened in, in uh, Adelaide versus the rest of the series has been quite out of kilter. So, you know, Australia's looked terrible. Like I must say the catching in the second test was just awful. They persisted with poor old Burnsy at the top of the order. You know, I felt sorry for the guy, to be honest, thrown out there. And, you know, in the second test, the masterstroke of India making four changes to the to the 11, it just, they, all, everything worked out really well. All of those four players contributed to the win. So India has looked dominating and it doesn't really reflect it on the scoreboard, right? So it's one all going into the third test, but it could easily be two, two zip. Yeah, it's been really weird, I find, this test series, because like you said, India were ascendant in the first test match at Adelaide, although they, they were sloppy in the field too, uh, as I recall, in Australia's first innings. Let's not forget the run out in India's first innings. You know, India were at something like 180 for three, really poised to take control of the match when uh, Ajinkya Rahane, one of the great run outs, I thought, ran out his, his captain. <laughs> weird run out. Yeah, ran, runs out his captain, Virat Kohli, who's on 73. And this is his only test match on this tour. So Jinx clearly wasn't waiting around. I think Jinx <laughs> said, yes, yes, no, no. That was his call. Yeah, and then there were some some other words after that, which I'd, I'd rather not repeat on this podcast. But yeah, it, not not the best look. Uh, and after that, there was, a, you know, India collapsed. And, and really from that point on, I think Australia had a foot in the door, even though they didn't cross 200. We'll talk about that again in a moment. Australia batting returns have been meagre. Um, of course, the 36 all out meant Australia won the test quite easily in the end. All of the coverage going into the second test, though, was about um, was about how whether India could come back. And it's interesting. We've seen a number of these double-digit scores, I feel, in the last few years. I think Australia were rolled over for 60 uh, in the last Ashes. But did they not? Did they win the test after that? They did. And I, I think also they were rolled over in Cape Town for 47 a couple of years ago, and they won the next test. So this, you know, it seems to not bother them that much, right? And I, and I think what happens against the good bowling lineup you know, Australia has one and India does. Every now and again, you just get perfect conditions and things go, everything goes to hand. And I think they just take it, you know, in their stride to a degree that every now and again that happens, you can bounce back from it. They're not destroyed mentally. So so full credit to India for bouncing back. I mean, they must've been really- Reeling, yeah. Reeling. And- well, it was, a, like you said, it was, a, it was an aberration rather than a, a trend. And I, thankfully, I guess, for, for India fans and, and the Indian team. But the other thing I think, to, to take note of is just the, the level of injuries. Um, I mean, on, to both teams, but, you know, Australia have, have been without David Warner, um, of course, most notably. Uh, but India are really flagging now. You know, they've lost, uh, what is it, three of their top four pace bowlers with Mohamed Shami, Ishant Sharma, and Umesh Yadav also pulling up, and, and he's out now. Uh, who else is out? K.L. Rahul has gone home. Uh, and obviously Virat Kohli is, is missing. So there's kind of half their team is missing. And yet they, like you said, they made four changes for the second test. Ravindra Jadeja came in, played brilliantly. I, I really do feel he should be in every India test team. I just think he's fielding, lifts them. His batting has improved so much. And and also he's, he's bowling. His, his, he doesn't give anything away with the bowling. Yeah, I mean, either. the partnership with Rahani and Jadeja and that's the second test really took the game away from Australia, right? Yeah, he's... He kind of teetering. Just looks like a really mature cricketer now. Uh, Shubman Gill came in and did very well uh, in his debut test. As they say, he looks a million bucks. He does. He looks so good. His, his attitude look good? looked great. He looked like my uncle Agarwal did two years ago. Yeah, he just looked like he belongs. He just looks 
Like he has a lot of time to play the ball. He's graceful. You know, he he's patient. Whereas, um, yeah, whereas Mayank Agarwal looked a lot less like Mayank Agarwal of two years ago. And his place is under threat. Of course, the, the, I think the most talked about debutant was Mohamed Siraj, um, the bowler, who I haven't seen much of at all. And Darren, maybe you have, but he came in, took five wickets in his first test match. Didn't Wasn't express, but just seemed to be a very intelligent bowler and, and, and made the ball talk. Yeah, he made, he made the ball move both ways, which is, um, you know, sign of a great, great bowler, obviously. I saw him bowl a, quite a bit in the IPL and he looked quite impressive. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I was skeptical about his debut in a test match, but, you know, he did really well, didn't he? I mean, that was, I think that that MCG wicket too was was really weird MCG wicket. It was a really thick matting of grass on the wicket, which you don't normally see. So, you know, from an Indian point of view, it wasn't a bad toss to, to lose really, because I, I think Australia assumed they should bat first and probably regretted batting first on that wicket. You think after rolling India for 36 and seeing a bit of a green top, you think you'd want to send them in straight away. So um, they might regret that, but but India did magnificently well throughout the whole match. Yeah, Rishabh Pant also came in and and, and he changed the momentum. He, he batted well. He kept pretty well, actually. Of course, Ajinkya Rahane really redeemed himself. I think he his was the standout performance, um, a wonderful century. Absolutely. Brilliant captaincy as well. In both tests, I thought India's field placings and their plans to the Australian batsmen have really been the difference between the two teams. They've it sounds so simple, doesn't it? They've been playing a square leg, a leg gully, a leg slip, and they've been bowling straight. And they have been suffocating Steve Smith and Manus Labuschagne in particular, both batsmen, you know, who play very similarly, who like to score on the leg side. And they've kind of been cutting off those scoring regions. Um, so they've really been thinking about it a lot. My, my concern is whether India have the bowling to keep enforcing those plans. They're going to have to bring in either Navdeep Saini or T. Natarajan or Shadul Thakur for the, for the uh, third test match. I think it's not much of a choice. I mean, I think what we've also didn't talk about is how impressive Ashwin has been. I mean, Ashwin has out-bowled R- Lyon easily, hands down. Uh, and he's caused a lot of havoc at the top of the order, with, with whether it's Labashain or with Smith. So He's bowling beautifully. Um, he's been brilliant. Beautifully. He's, he's kind of learnt, he's learnt how to bowl in Australia. And I think last time Lyon toured to India, he's, Lyon's kind of learned how to bowl in India as well. It's, it's a much different length. It's a different tra- trajectory. I think he's really got that. He's using the bounce, right? Ashwin doesn't bowl like Lyon. As the commentators always point this out. You know, Lyon gives the ball a lot of overspin and gets a lot of bounce, and which is, helps him take wickets on Australian pitches. Ashwin doesn't get that much spin, but the drift he's getting... Uh, and the lines he's bowling, the way he's thinking about bats. I mean, some of the dismissals, you know, to Steve Smith in particular, uh, have been really uh, interesting to see the plans he's, he's been putting in place and executing. The big question mark with Ashwin will be his fitness. He hasn't made it through an overseas tour in a number of years now, but he's looking good. He's now um, taken 62 international wickets in Australia, which makes him the most successful Indian spinner in Australia, and he's also now dismissed 192 left-handed batsmen in test in his test career, which makes him the top bowler against left-handed against left-handers, which is interesting. Above Muthaya Muralidharan, so you know India will be positive, but there's a lot of selection decisions they have to make um, around the bowling attack. They have to bring in uh, a new bowler um, to re- to replace. What are they, what's, what's the eleven going to be? Okay, well, uh, well, with KL Rahul gone home, 
Um, my guess is they will st stick with um, Agarwal and Shubman Gill at the top. I think the middle order will... Rem oh, actually, that's that's really... Rohit Sharma is here. Um, yes, I was going to say that. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about him. They will want to play Rohit Sharma. I think there's no question of that. So um, I would not be surprised if he comes in. The question is whether he will come in at the expense of Hanuma Vihari, who hasn't scored many runs in this series, or Mayank Agarwal. I think that's the two key positions right there. I think it's do you keep do you put Rohit at the top with Gill or do you put keep Agarwal and then put Rohit down with in place of Vihari? I think that's what they'll probably go for. Yeah, and I, I must confess I don't I don't really know which is the best option. I feel like both Agarwal and Vihari have been kind of India's two uh, leading batsmen of, of the last two years. You know, obviously lean returns in this series. Rohit Sharma can play, he can open, he can bat at number six. It's really a toss-up for me. I don't know if you have, if either of you have a view on this. It looks like they might ditch Agarwal, but I think they might keep Agarwal with Gill and put Rohit down in the lower, I mean, sorry, in the, in the middle order. I don't know if Rohit's, you know, against those three pace bowlers, is he an opening batsman in those conditions? I'm not sure. Maybe he is. Maybe they go with him. But yeah, Vihari probably has to sit out. I think they might have this kind of view that neither both batting lineups are pretty fragile and i think there's a, f a view at the moment that you know sooner or later ball's going to come along with your name on it if that's the case you may as well have some firepower at the top of the order um which is you saw that with shubman gill his ability to just play positively was kind of really helped india in the, in the second test match so i don't know they might lean towards that i think w what's also really interesting is who they bring in as the as the um as the other pace bowler the third semi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've got to go with Saini, don't they? They've, they've almost telegraphed that they're going to go with Saini. I, I have a feeling they're going to go with Natarajan. Really? Yeah, I have a feeling they will. I think I, I'm, reports from in the camp suggest Oh, you've that, got your inside sources. <laughs> reports from in the camp suggest that Natarajan is, 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 in, is in pole position because he bowled so well in the T20s. And the, and the, well, I think it's also that he's a left arm. Yeah, and a left arm. Left arm armor as well. Uh, and he did bowl very well, so that's that's definitely a bolter. But possible. I must confess, I've, I'm not massively impressed with Saini, but I think you're a fan, Darren. No, I'm a, I'm a, was a fan of Siraj Saini. I'm, I, I think he's he's got pace, but I I don't know if he's got much in his box of tricks. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I I, I would rather see Natarajan in because I just feel he'll keep it tight. He reminds me of Zahir Khan a little bit, and uh, just having a. And I think a in, left the, in those two games, Saini went for a bunch of runs too in that, that India A game. And, you know, the reports weren't that positive. But I think, you know, obviously Natarajan is going to be a bit of an X factor as well, right? People won't really know what to expect in a test match. And what about Australia, meanwhile? We are, obviously, Joe Burns has been dropped. Will Pukowski has been has been drafted in. It looks like, um, this, so the, the question, it's a straight question, right? Is it Pukowski uh, or Marcus Harris at the top of the order? Yeah. So I, I think they'll, they'll want to go with Pukowski and Warner if they can. Water seems to be able to be fit. I think he's loving this attention right now. You know, is he fit? Isn't he fit? I think he's loving the whole speculation. Yeah, he's about in him, demand him all of a be, sudden. Be a hero, right? Yeah, he's coming to be he's, a hero. He's playing the hero. So, you know, they want to go with Water and Pukowski if they can. They might go with Harris if either of those two, for whatever reason, don't make it. Then they'll go with Labashain, Smith. And I think w Wade will go down and Head will be out. I think people are frustrated with Travis Head. He seems to get out the same way all the time, poking from the crease. You know, he, he gets caught in the slips, second slip, first slip. He sort of pokes at balls outside the off stump, which he shouldn't play at. They'll keep green for sure. And then, of course, Payne, Cummins, Stark, Lyon, Hazelwood. Yeah. Would be the same no change, team, I think. No change to the bowling. I thought 
I actually felt Australia bowled a little short in the second test. Yeah, Lyon wasn't impressive either, was he? He he looked like he was rushing through his overs. He he looked like he wasn't really building pressure. He's sort of getting, sort of throwing the ball through quickly and getting it through versus trying to set up batsmen. But I I must say that I think Stark is bowling quite well. Stark's bowling the best I've seen him bowl in quite a while. Stark's looking good and Lyon's 100th test match. He thinks um, everyone should just suck it up and move on, which is an interesting way of looking at the problems in the bubble. Toby, what have you made? Of this series so far, well, very entertaining as a as a neutral. I mean, I've been I've been catching some of the uh, of the coverage of both tests. Um, great to watch when you see sides being run through. Not so great if that's your side, but it's exciting for the crowds that are in, and it's great to see a crowd at a cricket match. By the way, um, in Australia, uh, they've they've run it well by the looks of it. And um, the Australian batting, I think we knew because of injuries, there was going to be an element of flimsiness about it, and I think that's probably unfortunately. Proven true. I was just reading here that unbelievably Australia haven't posted a score above two hundred so far this series, which is they, seems- they scored two hundred exactly in the second test. This is their worst run at home since I say eighty six, yeah, or something like that. I think they haven't scored a two hundred plus against India in like six tests. They like have six not. Or seven tests. No Australian has scored a century against India since March twenty seventeen, when Steve Smith as you will recall, made 111 in the Dharamsala test match. Can anyone tell me the highest Australian score since then? Uh, Marcus Harris. Yes, correct. 70-something in the MCG last series, Sydney, 79 in Sydney in January 2019. Uh, And in that time, only Harris and Labuschagne are averaging more than 30. Steve Smith. Let's talk about Steve Smith. Last test century in Australia was in 2017. Obviously, he missed some test matches. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, 475 days since his last test ton. This is his worst run ever, I think. What's interesting is the ODI series against Indy. He looked a million bucks, didn't he? He, he scored a couple of hundreds and he looked. you thought, okay, he's back. He, he's placing the ball where he wants. He's in his bubble. He's doing great. But this series, he's just been all at sea. He seems like he's distracted and just not... Yeah, it doesn't look in a good mental place, maybe. Interesting how the, the, the dismissals as well, actually, just looking ahead to, to future matches. I mean, many teams look at Smith and go, how on earth do we get this guy out? He's a limpet. You know, we can't move him. I think I've spotted, he's, he's, he's been out twice, either gloving or feathering down the leg side now. To, yeah, to a leg slip, leg gully. Which is a new, a new one for me. I don't know what's going on with his technique, but, you know, we're all talking about bubble fatigue. Is he fatigued in his own bubble? Well, he's always been in a bubble. He's like... Well, I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> There's obviously good plans too. I mean, I, I think they've come up with these plans for him too, right? They, it's, it's it's an intentional form of dismissal. It's not like it, it's just a lucky dismissal. They're actually intentionally bowling there. Oh, Ashwin's is is going for that every time. I mean, but you kind of think these plans are not <laughs> the most sophisticated. You think other teams must also have them in mind. I think it's quite against a batsman as good as Steve Smith. But your he, best. But you plans. mentioned earlier he is getting drift and bounce. Ashwin, which you don't get in the subcontinent. You might get the drift, but you won't get the bounce. So he's getting a bit of drift in and then it's bouncing quite profusely. He's getting quite a bit of turn as well, right? Because of the drift, yeah. I think but so. it, Steve Smith looks to me like he's rattled. He just looks like he's yeah. He's saying he hasn't seen his wife for like five months or whatever, or his family. Maybe he's bubble fatigued. He's just, he's just, he needs a, a break. What about the fact that there's a, there's a problem, you know, the, the, the fact that the, the lineup is not settled. So, you know, first drop he's in pretty soon and, and he's facing, you know, there's been unsettled at the top of that side because of injuries. We know that. I think it, it with Warner coming back, 
that potentially provides some ballast at the top of the order, which frees him up to be a little bit more settled. Because I think after Labuschagne and him, it's back into that slightly porous part of the of the yeah. batting order. And I feel like Labuschagne has looked pretty edgy as well. I, it was a there was a DRS review that he he reviewed it. I think his 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 review prevailed, and he wasn't out. It was an LBW, and you know he gave him he gave the full Leighton Hewitt at that point. He kind of like <laughs> roared and sort of you know give the full fist pump just because he had won a review. Um, and then I think when he was bold, he was... I didn't see that. Yeah, I, I do. I, well, there was... Someone actually wrote about it, kind of what's going on with Manus Labuschagne. And then when he was bold, he was just like, he just hung around on the field for ages after being bold. <laughs> People, it, it does look like maybe everything is getting to everyone. You know, as you've mentioned, a number of these players have been in the bubble since August, right? Since the IPL began, which is tough. Let's be clear. I mean, you know, these are these are very privileged people and they make a lot of money, but, you know, it will take a toll on their mental health. Uh, India don't travel with a mental health specialist, um, apart from uh, motivational speaker Ravi Shastri. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think it's... That's all you need, isn't it? <laughs> apparently. Uh, he gave some great comments, by the way, after the uh, second. He was, in, he was in epic form. I don't know if you saw his interview after the second test match. It was a it was a Shastri epic. If someone can pull it up, there's some amazing quotes in there. Um, but yeah, there's been talk. Obviously, there's the whole thing with the, the Indian team photographed in a restaurant in, I don't know where they were. Uh, Melbourne. Were they in the bubble? Were they outside the bubble? No one seems sure. There's an investigation. I thought it was quite hilarious. It was an Indian team fan that posted the photo, paid for them, paid for six Indian players to eat, which is not something you'd catch me doing. And then he hugged. said he hugged Rashad, Rashad Pant, hugged him. Then he retracted and he was hugged. That's he an said, easy no, mistake to make, him. you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, easy. Clearly, I, I, sometimes I wake up and I wonder if I've been hugged. Yeah, so that, that investigation is ongoing. The BCCI wonderful comms operation has made no comment. Um, then there's reports that India don't want to play the final test in Brisbane because that's a hard quarantine. Um, although nothing formal has come through, I think this is just a maybe the Australian newspapers are, you know, it's probably some idle comment from some of the Indian players. No, I, I think there was a discussion in Queensland. I mean, what's happened now is there's been an outbreak in certain areas. But it's still nothing compared to most places in the world. And I think the Indian team, fair enough, they've been asked to, to be quarantined again. They said, no, thanks. I mean, they've been quarantined already in Australia. Why do they need to do it again? So I think there's been a push against no, that. No, I think they have to quarantine in Brisbane, right? They have to, they have a hard quarantine. No, they have, but yeah, but it's they're allowed to go to certain places and certain areas apparently now. Yeah, it's not it's not as hard as it was supposed well, to be. I saw that the CA chief executive said that there's been nothing official right. from the BCCI in terms of wanting to move the test match anyway. Yeah. Oh, the speculation that you know the Indians don't want to have it in Brisbane because you know there's too many demons there for them. Yeah, I don't think I, I actually don't think that this team is that bothered by that kind of thing. No, I don't think that's the issue. Yeah, at all. I, I think they're pretty relaxed about all that stuff. I do think that that bubble fatigue in general is proving problematic for lots of people. Yeah, well, it's hard for us. I mean, it's hard for all of us, right? I mean, everybody's been in a bubble, and to a certain degree, it's difficult, right? Yes. Indeed. Um, you know, in Sydney, for example, they've cut the crowd numbers, Darren, is that right? Uh, yeah. To 25% of capacity, I think. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. I thought it was interesting that crowds don't have to wear masks. And so you do wonder because, I, you know, there's there's concerns about the Sydney Test match. Seem to be There seem to be concerns about that. Yeah. So, yes, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So anyway, that's Australia-India. I think we've we've 
dwelt on that series for probably for long, long enough. Long enough. Vlogging <laughs> like a dead horse. Let's move over to New Zealand, where the Black Caps are in fine form. Um, a straightforward victory in the first test for them against Pakistan. Uh, and they've just piled on 659 for six in the second test against Pakistan. If you don't mind. Yeah. Um, they're looking really good here, gentlemen. Who wants to uh, talk about how well New Zealand are doing? Well, I, look, I, looked, I watched one of these, the, the highlights of this, and you know, Pakistan are, are no mugs at all um, and of a talented batting side. But New Zealand is just, I think this is, we talked about this the last podcast, there seems to be a golden generation for New Zealand with bat and ball um, and the, the finds of Carl Jameson, who I think um, got another big wicket haul in this test. Um, just adds another layer of, of skill and, and competence to their operation. So, you know, Kane Williamson, another hundred. You know, where, where do you, where do you, where are the superlatives with this guy? You know, he's just a machine. So, yeah, a double hundred, biggies, a daddy so hundred. Good, I mean, it's good to see as well. And I think, yeah. you know, I, I hope that New Zealand can further improve because you know it's good to have uh, strong sides across uh, you know all parts of the game and so it'd be wonderful to see them sort of kick on just just back to Jameson I know everybody's sort of purring about him I just watched him a bit more and, and I don't think he's expressed pace um, from what I can see but he's very very tall obviously and he kind of reminds me of sort of like Martin Bicknell he doesn't move with much fluidity but he sort of really really bangs it in hard gets a lot of <laughs> pretty pretty faint praise there, Toby. Expect a call from Jameson's <laughs> agent, agent this afternoon. Martin Bicknell. Martin Bick- Poor Kyle Jameson. Is he a one-test wonder? But Martin it's um, more of his, like, the way he sort of creaks towards the... He doesn't sort of move like a lion towards the pitch. You know, he's a bit sort of... Jerky. It reminds me of like a Daryl Tuff. You know, New Zealand always have these kind of very tall, sort of almost military medium-esque uh, pace bowlers who do pretty well. Although Jameson is not military medium. I think he's a lot quicker than that. <laughs> <laughs> medium yeah so anyway yeah Indeed. really good uh good showing I, I was very happy to see there's a, there's a guy in the new zealand team called daryl M- mitchell who I, i've not heard of uh apparently his nickname is moose uh, and this is his fourth test and he scored a century in the first innings of the second test um in which by the way pakistan dropped something like six catches and took a wicket of henry nichols uh, off a no ball. Henry Nichols, by the way, has been batting. He's been in sublime form, but he's also been like dropped three times and, like I said, dismissed off a no ball. I don't know. It's, it's difficult to be too hard on Pakistan. I don't think they've acquitted themselves all that badly. They were in a lot of trouble at 80 for six in the first test, but Baba Azam is out and he's their kind of their top batsman. Fahim Ashraf has been batting really well. The captain has acquitted himself well, Mohammed Rizwan. Their bowling attack is not the best bowling attack in history. I don't know if there's anything about Pakistan, Darren, that's caught your eye. I must admit, I haven't been following the series very much. But yeah, you know, some good fast bowlers on display uh, for Pakistan, but they just can't get any inroads there in New Zealand. Well, that's a concern, I feel, because these are not exactly, uh, you know, featherbed wickets. Just getting like these huge scores in New Zealand all the time, mm. right? Yeah. I think their bowling um, attack as well has caused, pro- caused Pakistan problems because I think, you know, if you think about the conditions, these are the closest you're going to get to maybe English conditions in the Southern Hemisphere. And there's a lot of swing swing early in the morning and, and sort of as the ball gets older. And I don't think they've coped well with the skill of Tim Southey in particular, who's a, a really good bowler of outswing. And so I think those sorts of margins have been the difference, I think, in the bowling attacks at least. 
Yeah, I mean, if you, you've got Shaheen Shah Afridi, he looks pretty good. Muhammad Abbas, obviously, is, he is military medium. Uh, Nazim Shah, who's a speedster, but he's quite young, isn't he? They're missing Muhammad Amir, aren't they? <laughs> well, we, that was probably a good time, I guess, to talk about Muhammad Amir, who has uh, made the long walk back, has announced his retirement in protest over shabby treatment. He described it as mental torture, which some people... Um, I have heard use that phrase in reference to this podcast, but um, <laughs> what do you guys make of Muhammad? I mean, he really burst on the scene with so much promise, and then, of course, he lost his he way did. with the whole match fix, spot fixing scandal, and he never really got back to those heights, did he? After coming back, I think he'll come back at some stage. He's still only twenty eight years old. I can't believe that, right? Um, he's got to come back. Surely, he's he's obviously got issues with. You don't have to believe that, Darren. Just saying. I mean, I, I believe it. Okay. But I mean, you know, obviously he's got issues with, with the board and whatever else is going on there. But, you know, surely he's, he's, so, much, he's so talented. He's got to be one of their best bowlers for sure. His they? returns have been, have been pretty mediocre since he came back. Uh, they flogged him to death. His first year back, he, he bowled more. I was reading he bowled more overs than any other pace bowler in the world. Um, and his returns have just dwindled. He, he, he had a run of 11 one, one day internationals where he took one wicket. And that was a Malaysian tailender. He played Hong Kong in that stretch and didn't take a wicket. His uh, bowling has, I think it's fair to say, deteriorated. And, and friends of mine who are Pakistanis who watch Pakistan a lot more than I do will say that he just bowls straight now. He just doesn't move the ball at all. Which seems crazy when you think of how much he used to move the ball. I think at the World Cup last year he got the ball to talk a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. I think he he did it all right in the um, in the World Cup. But uh, so I mean, to me, it, it looks more like not necessarily a skill, as in a motivation thing versus being the skill. I, I think he's got the skill. Yeah, I think he's tired. Yeah, maybe exhausted and just over it. Right, he's just you know, as he says, enough is enough. Yeah, I don't think he's. I think he's mentally exhausted. He's been through a lot. It's sad. It's really sad, actually. So every every two months, someone says something against me. Sometimes the bowling coach. Waka Yunus says, Amir Dichtus, sometimes I'm told my workload is unsatisfactory. Enough is enough. Yeah. Yeah, he also said that only two people have invested in him. Najam Sethi, former PCB chairman, and Shahid Afridi. The rest of the team was saying, we don't want to play with Amir. <laughs> Which is... Uh... Anyway, it's, it's, An it's sad, actually, because he's, he was such a talented bowler when he came out. All right, so that's New Zealand. I think Pakistan are already in, uh, already in trouble. They're they are. What are they? Three for one. I was reading, eight for one. Okay, there you go. Already in trouble. Should we move over to South Africa, where Sri Lanka are limping somewhat in their test series against uh, against the Proteas. Uh, they acquitted themselves pretty well in the first test, I thought, scoring 396 in the first innings. Um, but then five batsmen got injured. So Dananjaya De Silva, who was the, their top scorer, I think, in that innings, got injured. Suranga Lakmal, Kasun, Rajita, Lahiru Kumara, and Dinesh Chandamal are all out. And of course, South Africa won that first test quite handily. They scored a ton of runs behind Faf Duplessis. 199 and looks like South Africa are in control 
of the second test match against a weakened Sri Lankan batting lineup, it must be said. But pretty encouraging returns here for South Africa with some of these new players coming in. Yeah, I'm seeing there's some good figures for Mr. Nokia, who I think he had a very good IP- IPL, um, bagged six wickets. And uh, new chap Mulder, possibly from the X-Files, uh, claimed three for 25, which is Mr. Jan Mulder. Um, so some 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 light there. I think the problem with South Africa is if if you have injuries to uh, the likes of Ngidi, the bowling looks a little bit flat. But it's good that they're unearthing a little bit more um, talent now. Yeah, Kagisa Rabada is fit again, which will be good news. Um, the batting actually has acquitted itself better than I expected. I think that was that was one of the question marks, but. Uh, They've all stood up. Dean Elgar's got a very nice century in this match. Obviously, Duplessis with 199. Both a wonderful and heartbreaking score. Aidan Markram has stood up. Rassi van der Dussen, Temba Bavuma have all, have all got uh, substantial knocks. Um, so they look in, in reasonable shape. I would not hold this result really against Sri Lanka. I think the, the, the players they're missing has made it very difficult. Uh, and who knows, they're at 150 for four in their second inning, so they may yet set a decent target. Their captain, Dimuth Karunaratne, is not out. And Vishwa Fernando has been bowling well. The left armour, six wickets. Apparently, Toby, uh, of the five players that are missing Sri Lanka's second test, only Chandimal and Lakmal are likely to be fit for the first test against England which begins on January 14th. How is that shaping up? Yes, it's weird, isn't it? You've got the uh, the host team still playing in the high veld whilst England arrive in Gaul uh, for the start of England's uh, tour of Sri Lanka and India. Um, so in, England will be in Sri Lanka for a two-test series, both played in Gaul, both behind closed doors, and then on to India early February with tests uh, in Chennai and Ahmedabad. Um so it's quite a long bubble for, for that team. And I think England arrived, I think, yesterday or day before um, in Sri Lanka. And I guess, I guess the main squad news um, from the playing side is that there are sort of no surprises, really. I think, as you'd expect, Joe Root's captaining the side. Um, Jimmy Anderson, Johnny Bairstow, actually, that is a bit of a surprise um, as a backup keeper. I think uh, Ben Folk's um, scored a debut century uh, in Sri Lanka about two years ago, I think. So he seems to like it in goal. Let's see if he starts. Um, but He's not going to play, though. I is think. that right? I think the first test. Yes, I saw Joe Root say that Joss Butler is the is the man in... in, in uh, control of the gloves. Yeah. Control, yes. Uh, Thank you. I'd yes. like to, I'd like uh, to see folks have a go. Man in possession. But Butler is going to be rested. The incumbent. The incumbent. There you go. Butler is going to be rested for the second test. England are playing a ton of test matches this year. Recall reading something like 18 or 19. And they're playing back-to-back series against India, Yeah, but, but that's... Like one in India and one in, one in, one, one in yeah, England. Yes, because right? some of these were postponed, I think, including this that's right. Sri Lanka series. Because of that, they're managing the workload. So I think Stokes is missing from this tour, yes, correct? Yes, correct. He's not playing. Butler is going to be rested, so folks will come in. I think there's going to be a lot of rotation, yeah. from what I understand, from, from what I've read anyway. And of course, Moeen Ali has, has, is out. That's right. So I guess the, the main news outside of the playing circle is that, that Moeen has arrived in Sri Lanka uh, and tested positive for coronavirus. And I think um, Chris Wokes has been 
uh, earmarked as someone who may have sat next to him on the plane. And so they're looking at him as a potential uh, close contact and will also go into isolation for at least seven days. So Ali uh, will be taken to this rather sort of um, unnerving phrase, a separate facility in Gaul, whatever that means. But he'll be going there and I think some of the support staff will also be tested as well. Um, I guess the players are used to this. They were tested on departure at Heathrow. They got tested again on arrival in Gaul. It's just part and parcel of the game now, unfortunately. But it were uh, obviously thoughts with, with Moeen. Mm. Yeah, hopefully it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's England are in for quite a ride, I think. And it will be, like we've been talking about, the whole bubble aspect. You know, England uh, went home from their last... Uh, engagement in South Africa over bubble concerns. And, you know, they're going to be in a long bubble here in Sri Lanka and India, countries where, you know, it's not necessarily the easiest to tour, although a lot easier than they used to be. I think also just one one word on the EC, ECB, they've been very, very clear that they want to continue these overseas tours because at a time when TV revenue, for example, is a lifeline to certain countries, I think that the ECB feel they have a, a duty to try and at least get these games underway. So I think you'll see more willing from from the likes of the ECB to get these games played. Um, but we're going to see hiccups, as you say, you know, that, you know, it's a, it's a, an unknown quantity, long subcontinent tour in the middle of a global pandemic. It's pretty difficult. Yeah. But then again, these guys just stay in the hotel anyway, don't they? They don't, there's not a lot of venturing out. They might be venturing out for local food. I wouldn't have thought. Well, some of them use, some of them do. There's always, uh, Michael Atherton always make, makes a huge point in his, in his autobiographies and so forth of, of course. Of, of bemoaning the fact that his fellow players would never leave the hotel. But I mean during a pandemic. Oh, yeah. 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 And he probably won't come across a fan who'll pay for his dinner either. Or hug him. Or hug him. Or hug well, him, yeah. yeah. And then they retract that, <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, he's mistaken. He was mistaken. I misremembered. Um, I found the Ravi Shastri interview. Um, and actually, it's not as good as I, re- I remembered it. <laughs> but uh, he did say it was one of the great comebacks in the history of the game. And when asked what the chat was in the dressing room uh, after the 36 all out, he said, no chat. When we arrived in Melbourne, in Melbourne, it was the things we have got to do to get up and fight. So there you go. Sorry, sounding very nationalistic. It's actually quite restrained, this interview, by his standards. There's no talk of bullets. There was no... There's he- zingers. No hemispheres. Hem- no hemispheric. <laughs> hemispheric. Criticism, no hemispheric theory, no talk of media criticism and bullets and real bullets. Um, Yeah, he seemed pretty, pretty restrained, actually. He he actually just talked up all the players primarily. So a bit disappointing. I was expecting more from Shastri. Maybe if India do uh, retain uh, retain the trophy. We have not made predictions, by the way, for that. We, We should probably do that. Uh, before we get to your final segment, Toby, uh, what do we think the the score of the um, India Australia Test series will be, Darren? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's, it's really hard to pick, isn't it? I don't know. I'm going to say two two. That's mine as well. I, I was. I think there'll be two results. I say two two. Definitely, there'll be two results. I think these these batting lineups can't bat for, <laughs> for five days. But having said that, if water comes back in a blaze of glory, then it's probably going to be three one. But that's a big if. I think, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, do you think he'll be the the same? Who knows? 
the same batsman with his injury. Toby, what do you um, think? I think Warner coming back is potentially decisive. He's what's described as a home ground glutton. He likes to bat along at SCG. He's got a lot of runs, he's got a great record. He could be the turning point. Four centuries? Could be the galvanising thing yeah. that the Aussie batting lineup needs. So I, I, I don't know, difficult to call as well. I'm going to probably go 2 2 just because I'm boring. Yeah, I'd go with 2 2. David Warner averages 66 in home test matches. Uh, and has scored, what, four, four centuries, I think, against India alone in Australia. So, Toby, talk to us about knighthoods. Well, I'm not giving them out, just in case everyone's getting excited, but um, for, for listeners unfamiliar with the, the New Year's honours list, it's basically a slightly opaque uh, system of gongs or uh, giveaways by, <laughs> <Slightly> <laughs> by Her Majesty the Queen. It seems to be uh, sort of given the rubber stamp by the government of the day in the UK, and you become Sir or uh, you know, a member of the British Empire, MBE, etc. Many, many famous cricketers, of course, have that. You know, Sir Vivian Richards, uh, Sir Richard Hadley, Sir Ian Botham. But there was talk this year in the New Year's Honours list of Arise Sir James Anderson, obviously England's um, leading wicket-taker. Um, but he apparently has missed out on this knighthood because of fears that basically the Australian team during the forthcoming Ashes would rib him too much and poor Jimmy wouldn't be able to put up with it. So I think this is interesting. Uh, lovely so- It says a source here, I'm just reading, and I may do it in the Queen's accent. I don't think we'd send out Jimmy to face the Australians with a knighthood. And so that's the source basically saying the reason why he's failed to pick it up this time. Well, one quick word on the on the, the current slew of sirs in cricket, particularly in English cricket. I think uh, you used to have to wait a while before you get it. I know Alistair Cook got his in 2017. Um, I, into tennis, Andy Murray is, has been is, um, Sir Andy Murray. Just feels it's all happening a little bit too quick these days, or maybe I'm just getting old. Yeah, it was after the Ashes, um, the two, 2005 Ashes, when they all got OBEs, didn't they, I think? Yeah, it used to be almost not away. posthumous, right? It used to be a little bit, at least after they'd retired a couple of years. And I think that makes more sense, right? And also it's a contribution to the game as well as just playing it, I suppose. Some sort of society con- you know, contribution or something. Yeah, How's, how did Jimmy take it? Has there been any comment from him? I'm, sh- I'm sure he's quite happy. <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably not too bothered about that. I mean... He's over the I moon. Think, as you, you said, as you yeah. said here about the the two thousand five, you know, Paul Collingwood. I remember getting ribbed quite mercilessly um, by Australians with yes. one. St- what, yeah, what did you do? What did you do? One stadium announcer. <laughs> did he play? He didn't play, did he at all? In the in the I think he actually. scored seven and ten in the final test, and uh, it's at one stadium announcer in the return Ashes in Australia welcomed him to the crease with the uh, mock deference as Paul Collingwood MBE to the crease. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I think that's all for this for this edition of Cricket Ultras. Unless, is there any other business? I feel like that was a lot. It was a lot, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot, there's a lot to go through. Okay. There is. In, that, in which case, I will leave you with the words of Ravi Shastri, because uh, I found another good quote from this interview, in which he said, after the Adelaide Test match, when you're blown away, you're blown away. so bear that in mind thank you all for listening (laughs) and we'll be back soon